You are now listening to the Bunt, the People's Podcast, brought to you by the number one shoe in skateboarding. And it ain't even motherfucking close, baby. It's Van. And this week, it's all about our boy, Elijah Burrow's signature shoe, the Burrow Pro, featuring Van's Waffle Control. D. Jones, we couldn't be more proud of our boy Elijah over here at the Bunt. The Burl Pro introduces Waffle Control, a brand new Vans Pro Skate innovation delivering next level support, board control, responsive grip, and built-in cushioning to further push the boundaries of skate progression. Yo, you know I got mine in my room, B. Looking fly as fuck. Yo, these shoes are comfortable as shit, eh? (laughs) Shit's crazy in these streets. Your boy's about to master round rails. Been scared of them all my life. But for some reason, I feel like I got the balls to back 5-0 Skydome 13 right now, man. Ghost, you're right. I don't know what it is, but there's just some feeling you get when you put the Burl Pros on that feels like you can take your skating to that next level, baby. I might have to start going for Sodi again, and the Burl Pro is going to get me there. Whoo! Donald Sodi 2019. I fucks with it. Yo, Vans. Off the wall since 1960, motherfucking six. Drop that bitch. And now, live from Studio E, The Bunt with Safer and Donovan. Welcome to episode 11 of season 8. Time is flying by. Seems like just yesterday was episode 1, man. Ain't that the truth? Who'd we spark it with again? Pedro, baby. Just kidding. Hell yeah. <laughs> Pedro, Miami. Damn, it's been a fun-packed 11 weeks. That's for sure. It ain't over yet, dog. This one and one more to go. I'm D Jones. I got the ghost with me. As always, we got Ants one behind the scenes. It's a cool thing. Still. Break it down for the people, man. Yo, it's a big week in Studio E. You know what I'm saying? I might focus my laptop. I'm just I'm just Please feeling don't. all riled up right now. <laughs> we got Carrie Getz in the building. OG legend. Was such a pleasure. Always been a fan, but to talk to him Insane. was amazing. Great, great guy. Hype for you guys to hear this one. Then we take you now straight to the post office. Uh, some jokes, voice notes. And then you know what time it is. <laughs> it's the rundown, baby. As always, make sure to follow us on Instagram at The Bunt Live. Like us on Facebook at The Bunt and get those emails and voice notes in to thebuntlive at gmail.com. This is your last week for season eight, and we definitely want to hear from the people, man. Yo, if we don't hear from our boy, fucking, what's his face? Theo Banks, man. Theo Banks. God damn, I'm going to be so sad going into this spring. Send your voice notes in. You heard me? Can't wait. But anybody could be Theo Banks, man. We're looking for we're looking for talent out there in the skateboard world, man. Let your voice be heard. Tell us what's on your mind. Yo, let's get a fucking footy chat too, man. Where's that homie at? Oh yeah, we'll holler at the footy chat for last week, that's for sure. Maybe Manchester United's picked up a goddamn win by now. And he's <laughs> crawled out from the from the cave he was hiding in, dog. <laughs> man, we got a big contest going down this week. CHPO brand putting diamonds on wrists all season long and we have saved the best for last baby the ball is in your court now y'all gotta show us what you got so for this one we want you the listener to record your best chpo brand ad as a voice note send it in 
the best one takes the cake yo y'all gonna get a fat box and we're gonna play your ad on next week's final episode it's your time to shine baby welcome to the podcast world this ad's on you head over to chpobrand.com and at chpobrand on instagram do your research and come up with that crispy ad you heard if any of you have been on thrashermagazine.com this week then you know exactly what is coming it's shout out time with the ghost baby get it off your chest oh man i gotta give a big Woo! warm the biggest shout out to the big homies down in boston kevin lee madden special behind the lens special in the editing booth put out another gem once around you can watch it on thrasher magazine if you haven't already get there it's a fucking instant classic about 14 minutes all the eggs locals all the boston legends fucking come together in one amazing short film it's a special video man me and donald just watched it before recording i watched it four times last night favorite clip dutchy nolly front heel switch crook the boys went off man get there man i fucking hate the boston bruins but i love my skaters from boston baby dutchy killed it again the back 180 fakie manny into that sketchy ass bank we went there i didn't even want to walk up that thing dog <laughs> real shit lee you did it again dog congrats and uh this just you see something like that and it makes you wonder why you don't do more of it you know That's what the fuck shit. are we doing recording podcasts fun video you heard coming not that soon but it's coming we need to get lee on as an advisor man hey real talk yo eggs benny g (laughs) you know i saw you back most grind front shove hell yeah brother dude brian reed man you are a goddamn beast front 360 that thing is not human dog you like an x-men or something (laughs) so y'all know what it is we got the one and only carrie gets in the building this week the hockey temper of sin do not fuck with this man because you could lose your head and we just super happy to have him here a true legend it's always good to see guys on the other side of their skate career succeeding living life being happy doing what they want and uh carrie gets man true inspiration it's a stand-up guy you know y'all know his resume longtime pro for habitat skateboards dvs shoes did it for toy machine in his early days the man behind nocturnal skate shop these days shredding for his boys brand terror of planet x topx honoring a privilege to have carrie on the show only one thing left to do and i'm feeling hella thirsty dog we missing something <laughs> you came to the right man because i'm heading over to the fridge i'm busting it open i'm grabbing two green cans cracking them things open sipping them back getting a buzz on because we trying to holler at carrie feeling nice it's time for canada's premium pilsner steam whistle the only buzz All right, man, we got Kerry Getz in the building today. Legend. What's going on, man? Uh, not much, man. Stoked to uh, finally get connected with you guys. Hell yeah, man. A little, little ways in the waiting, but we made it happen. Yeah, for sure. So we start every show off the same. Hit us with your favorite skate moment and your favorite sports moment. My favorite uh, skate moment was uh, winning Tampa Pro. That was probably one of the biggest things that's ever like happened to me in skateboarding. And sports, you know, I'm not a real big sports guy, but I used to play football, backyard football a lot. I used to always, like, 
jump over motherfuckers when they're trying to tackle me. And then one time, one time, dude clipped me in my feet, and I did like a front flip onto my back. Damn. <laughs> I guess that might be a sports clip. <laughs> I thought you were gonna drop some Nick Foles on us, man. The Eagles, I know, man. They were doing really well near in, in the end. I thought they were gonna go all the way again. Can you imagine if they pulled it off again? That would have been insane. I had a feeling that they were, because last year I was like, dude, they're going all the way. And I usually don't watch football that much, but like there was something that was telling me that inside my heart my brain everything that told me that these underdogs are going the whole way mm-hmm. i just i just felt like it was time for a change you know and mm-hmm. it just like clicked with me and i just started following every game the last like maybe eight games and they fucking did it they pulled it off that was insane did you get one of those dog masks that everyone was wearing <laughs> no no i didn't i i almost thought about getting a, a Foles jersey though because I was like stoked on that dude, like just taking the team all the way and being him being the fucking second string quarter, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so big things. You guys just lost him though, sadly. Yeah, I know, I know. Well, hopefully he moves. Hopefully, whoever he goes to, he keeps on moving and keeps on shining. You know, mm-hmm. for sure. I like underdogs that come up and make shit happen. Well, he's definitely gonna keep cashing those massive checks he earned himself. <laughs> Yeah, that's good, man. He went from sitting on the bench making maybe a quarter million bucks to making millions, huh? Yeah, yeah. big time now. So tell us a bit about where you came up and how you got into skating. Well, I came up in a little town called like uh, Lehighton, Pennsylvania. Um, it was right outside of like Allentown, Bethlehem area, and um, I actually started racing my skateboard first. Like I would put carpet on the top of it, and I would draw like this racetrack in front of my house, like in the street. Yeah. And then yeah. we would like we would you know race on our knees, so that's why I put the carpet on there so it wouldn't <laughs> fuck up your knees and shit. Yeah. And we would just race in circles, dude, for like hours. And I guess maybe it was like you know just seeing started to see like skating in some movies and stuff like Michael J. Fox, and then saw thrashing and stuff like that. So those movies kind of like sparked me to like get a board and start trying tricks and. I was kind of like the first one that out of our crew of racing that like started to learn tricks and they were like, let's race. I'm like, no, I want to try to learn the ollie, you know, I want to jump down these stairs. So I always was that person that was always trying to take it to the next level. So I I got out of that and just went from there, skated every single day then and just learned and learned and learned. That's what's up, man. Yeah, it's cool, man. I'm glad I, I stuck with it. Traded in the carpet for some grip tape, eh? Oh yeah, for sure. I think my board was like a Jeff Jones from like, like like a Kmart or some shit. But I remember that, that being my first board, Jeff Jones. I think it was from Toys R Us. I think I got a Toys R Us. So dope. So what was your first big break in the skate industry? My first big break, it. it I mean, pretty much it all goes back to like Bam, kind of opening up my eyes and just telling me that I need to quit my job and you know, pursue like coming down to like Philly and filming with those guys and getting sponsored. Cause he's like, dude, you're too good at skateboarding. You need to quit that shit and come down and stay with us. Like Mug Molnado just got sponsored by Toy Machine and they were filming for, I think, Welcome to Hell and all that stuff. So it was right around that time. So that was kind of like my biggest break was like taking that leap of faith of like saying, all right, I'm going to quit my job tomorrow. I went and quit. Luckily, I got unemployment for like six or seven months. I think it was like 260 bucks a week I was getting. Mm-hmm. And I just made that work. And I sold my car that I had gotten. I had a, my dad co-signed for a car for me because I'm huge into cars. And I was like maybe 19. And I had this like sick-ass Mitsubishi that was like pretty new. And 
I just sold it and then bought a car for like 1500 bucks, and then started just driving back and forth to Bam's house and staying down there on the weekends. Sometimes I would stay for like a couple weeks. I would, I would bounce from like Bam's house to Maldonado's grandmother's house, just stayed like on the floor and slept wherever I could just to Damn. skate with these guys every day. That's so sick. What was the job you quit? I was working for this in this factory for Dan and Yogurt, you know, the Dan and Company. Oh, yeah. yeah. And I was working nine at night till about eight, nine o'clock in the morning. Jeez. So I was working like a 10 hour shift almost every single night. And I was driving around like hand trucks and forklifts and stuff and like loading up pallets and wrapping things and then loading them on the trucks. And um, it was a, it was cold as shit in there. It was like 40 degrees in there. So you had to have like this whole gear on, Dude. you know, to stay warm. Crazy. And I, I, I actually kind of liked the job, but I hated all the dudes that I worked with because they were like there for like 20 years mm-hmm. and they were older dudes and they hated their lives and they were, <laughs> most of them were probably alcoholics, you know? Yeah. So it was like working with those guys and here I'm like 19 and these dudes are like old as shit and like hating their life. But <laughs> every once in a while there'd be like a younger couple younger kids that would come in and work and then quit because they couldn't handle it. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, that was my. That was really the job that my main first job that I was making decent money, mm. and that was the job that I quit. And um, you know, I would. I think I might have been making four, five hundred bucks a week living at my parents' house. So I was like making pretty good money back in like nineteen ninety six, ninety seven. Yeah. You know. So, but skateboarding was more on my mind than anything. Uh, shout out to Bam, yo. He saved you from the yogurt factory. Oh, he did, dude. He definitely did. He he definitely uh. He was the one. If it wasn't for him, I don't know if I would have ever got that shot, got that chance to kind of like get to the Philly scene, mm-hmm. you know? Because yeah. I was, I would go to the skate park, like in like a half hour away from my house, and I would skate there all the time. And that was my my place to go to through the winter, mm-hmm. and then just like hit local spots and stuff during the week. But yeah, it was it was time, dude. It was the right time. So I made that leap of faith and it worked. That's what's <laughs> up, man. So you mentioned it, but you rode for Toy Machine in its early heyday. Mm-hmm. What was it like filming for Jump Off a Building? That was absolutely probably the best video that I ever like kind of filmed for, other than like Mosaic or something. Mm-hmm. Like, but Toy Machine was like it was a real knit tight family. You know, BA and Molinado and Bam. We were always just always together you know especially me mike and bam being on the east coast together so that's what really i love that because we were always there to push each other you know we were like this tight crew that just had each other's back like oh if you're gonna fucking skate that i'll skate it with you you know to get you hyped like even though i don't really need to skate this or don't really kind of don't want to but i'm gonna skate it get you fucking stoked Yeah. yeah you know like that that was one thing that i liked about our crew and um so that toy machine era was my favorite because i started living my dream and i got a taste of it and it was like it couldn't have gotten any better Mm -hmm. you're like i ain't going back to that yogurt oh dude hell no back to the factory (laughs) fuck no man i once i got my foot in the door i skated my ass off dude i was i wasn't drinking i wasn't doing anything i was literally going out at night like when I'd go to Cali, I'd go to the little Huntington Park and I would just skate till one o'clock in the morning. Damn. I was just, all I wanted to do was get better and better and more and more consistent, you know? So that's kind of, yeah, filming for that video was probably the best time of my life. So, you know? sick. Yeah. 
So everyone seemed to have great memories of those times, but a lot of the team eventually left. What made yeah. you make the decision to leave as well? Uh, that was kind of another BAM thing. Like once BAM did the CKY videos and there was rumors going around that he got screwed on royalties on that. And then we were told we were getting screwed on royalties for our board sales because we were supposedly, we were supposedly having like best-selling boards in the skate industry and we might have been making 700 bucks a month yeah. so it was like one of those things where it was like i was approached by josh kalis um one time he actually asked me to ride for alien and i turned it down i didn't want to do it and then i think a few months later he started talking to me again and he said that they're going to do this new company and they want me on on it and He's like, usually you won't get asked twice. <laughs> Cause, uh, but I guess, I don't know, it was meant to be. But uh, I do remember that conversation. And I then started getting on the phone calls with Habitat and the Alien Workshop and Chris Carter. And he was super cool. And the paycheck was instantly like quadrupled. So it was like one of those things like now I can really start my life, mm -hmm. start moving to Philly and start having a, a life of my own instead of like, living paycheck to paycheck month to month and barely getting by so it was one of those things i was scared to quit because i felt like it was a great place for me but once bam split then it all started falling apart yeah because bam went his separate way and then maldonado was kind of with the baker thing like there was all kinds of things happening yeah and brian anderson was actually supposed to quit with me and we were supposed to ride for habitat me and brian oh shit and and brian backed out the last minute what he just was like and it just dude it was and i called chris carter right away and i said dude i can't do this like anderson's not gonna do it like he's like he's like dude you're already committed to this like we're you're you're gonna be our first ad so it was like oh, already fuck. like in the works of like mm -hmm. of me being announced to be the rider on the team so it was one of those things and i just said okay this is it i i did it yeah. I, I already quit and I, this is my new beginning you know so yeah uh but i didn't want to do it unless brian anderson did it but it ended up working out real good everybody on the team came through and filming for mosaic really really hit a home run with that video and it just i had no more fears then mm -hmm. like once everything started molding together the graphics and everything i was like wow this company is going to be incredible so because it's always hard to like Go from something that's already established to something that's new. Yeah, that you got to build up yourself. Almost. And you got to build up. And it's like, but once you start seeing the graphics and you know who's behind it, mm. you're like, how could this not fail? Or like, how could this fail? Yeah. There's just no chance that this thing is not going to work out. So, you know, Wenning just fucking blew up, like changed the fucking world with his steez and his skating. And to be in that video with him was, it was an incredible. That's an instant classic video. Can you imagine oh. BA on Habitat, though? Oof. That would have been, been insane. Dude, yeah, his boards and his... Oh, man. he You know, he he, he didn't want to quit and didn't want to do yeah. it to Ed. And, and trust me, I didn't want to quit either. And Ed got me to where I am today. And it got me to where I was in skateboarding. I, I'm forever grateful. Yeah. You know, but it was one of those things that just... I had to do it. Mm -hmm. It had to be done. <laughs> Uh, makes sense when the when the paycheck gets quadrupled oh. and you can stop living you know? yeah stop living on couches <laughs> yeah. And, yeah you know what i mean and and then i started like once i won tampa i was getting companies throwing 
money at me left and right and i was able to buy my house buy a house like within the first year of like riding for habitat Damn. so my my life instantly went from yeah you know maybe like maybe making a thousand bucks a month to making almost 10 grand mm-hmm. like within a year Jeez. you know a 10 grand a month so Woo! it was like Damn, how do you Gary. how do you how do you not how do you not go for it you know you get to live your so, own life rather than like yeah dude i got to buy my dream cars and i got to like just live life and you know travel it was awesome Damn. Uh, we spoke yeah. to um we had jokas juicy on a few weeks back and mm-hmm. he was telling us about the like, tony hawk era and like yeah. money was just falling from trees <laughs> for you guys yeah, back dude. then it was dude it was absolutely insane like because you'd get your monthly paycheck and then out of nowhere, you'd get like royalty checks for another extra five to ten grand or Jeez. something on top of what you're already getting. And then if you got a shoe deal, you know you're, dude. It was crazy. <laughs> you know, I was like 24 or 25 years old driving a ninety thousand dollar Porsche. You know, like it was just amazing. <laughs> I had my own house. I had a Porsche. I had a Range Rover. It's like, dude. It was like it was insane. You're spending your days at Love Park, man. Yeah, and just cruising around skating, dude, like breaking boards and hooking new boards up and it shoot. It, it but it just went by too fast. <laughs> it went it came and it went so quick. Yeah. Fuck. Time flies when you're having fun. No doubt. So yeah, take us back to the Love Park days. What were some of your favorite memories shredding around there? Um, the Love Park days I I I loved and hated Love Park because like I I suck at ledges. So I wasn't really good at skating any of the ledges there. So that's why I would always like jump off the off the ledges over cans and stuff or yeah. I'd skate the lower levels where you can like go up and down the levels and skate the stairs. Like I just was never really good at at, at skating ledges. And I hated looking over my shoulder after security and cops and all that. I just I hated it. So I would always adventure out and go to other spots. Mm-hmm. You know, but every time I'd go to love it was just amazing to watch you know Kalis and stevie and all those guys just do their thing for their video parts so those memories were always cool to like just see always see somebody fucking getting something you know getting some footage like there'd be three cameras (laughs) you know this dude's getting this like and then dudes would come in to film for the dc video so it was like non-stop just like epicness like happening at that place like every week Mm -hmm. so but i mean I would literally just go to love to like try to film something. So it wasn't like I was going there to like really skate because I knew you might get kicked out in like 15 minutes. So it wasn't worth the headache of like trying to find parking, getting tickets and running from the cops and doing this. So I kind of just would skirt out and I would, I would really just go to love if I was like, I need to like go try the lip slide at love or I want to go kick foot through love gap or I want to go skate the cane. I need to get a trick. Like, Mm So I was more or less like going to love just to film a certain trick. Yeah, yeah that trick specifically was going to ask, can you take us behind the scenes on the gap to lip slide? That was one of the gnarliest things at the time. Yeah. Oh, thanks, dude. That was one of those things. I looked at it for months and months, and Joe Castrucci was in town and, and Bill, and we were filming for Mosaic at the time. And I, I just knew that I still needed some bigger tricks for the end yeah. of my part. And... um I'd always looked at it. I was like, man, that's so possible, so possible to do. And um, I just kind of like started ollieing up and teasing it. And, you know, I knew that Fred 50 did, so I knew it was possible. And the only thing is it's like, it's like aluminum. Mm. So board sliding aluminum is sketchy. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you don't. So what I did was just made sure I had a little bit of wax on it and, and rub, 
put my board down and back to make sure that it was always going to slide. And I knew if I was going to get tossed forward and slam on my nuts or my chest, the rail so wide that I, I'd probably be all right. <laughs> so it was one of those things. And right before you ollie up onto it, there's this tiny little crack that's, it's like, it's level, mm. like the, the tile after this tile is just lifted up a little bit. So like one or two times I freaking just like, just wallied off the crack and didn't even hit my tail and ollied up without hitting my tail off that crack. Yeah. So it was like, that was the worst part about it was ollieing before that crack, getting up onto that thin ass ledge <laughs> and then having enough time to like gap out and then take that slide, you know? So, but once I got up on it a couple of times and knew I could get over it, it was one of those things. I was like, oh, man, I'm going to fucking do this today. Damn. You know? And then it was That's the best crazy. feeling like riding away from it. Cause, cause Churchy was there and it was like, owner of the company we're filming for this epic video and i just i did one of my favorite tricks i ever done on my skateboard that day so yeah dude that yeah. one definitely stood out it's like the sack most sackable trick <laughs> so sketchy <laughs> yeah it is it is dude for sure enough respect yeah dude. what was the first attempt like you get in and slide or yeah you know what i got on with the safety lean where i just hit my board on an angle and then jumped into the uh, handicap ramp okay, part, right. you know? So once I got up onto that and, you know, I'd ollie up and then ollie over it a bunch of times. Mm -hmm. So knowing that I could ollie over it real quick, right. like I was like, okay, I got that. Now I just have to like commit, mm -hmm. you know? So once I, you know, did that safety lift slide a couple times, I was like, all right, now I'm going to just go for it. Yeah. And then once I got on one and started sliding, then it was like, poof, poof. it's time. But yeah, it's time. I don't think it took, it might've taken me like, five or six like real commitment tries where i was like once i got on it right, you yeah. know and to slide it out but but i do remember one time i landed i think it's in the video and i landed and i fucking slam into the wall mm. like I, I like land and go straight into oh, the wall right. yeah you got the nice curve out yeah i'm like fuck now i gotta go back again <laughs> and try it again because there's fucking walls in my way <laughs> so yeah fuck a wall, yo. yeah it was dude i was pissed but yeah that was i was one dude one of my favorites ours too man Thanks. so another trick at love we got to know, man, who kick-flipped the fountain first, you or Tim? We think it was you, but was there any beef around that? Molinato almost kick-flipped it first. Oh. He was the first one to land in the fountain on a kick-flip. So, you know, Molinato is actually the one who pushed me to, to do it. Um, cause we were there that we were there one day and it was like cold. It was, it was fucking winter. I never, I hate skating in the cold, dude, oh, yeah. but like we were on missions, you know, so we would go skate all the time and. It was, um, I think it was like December or January, super cold. It was probably like 35, 40 degrees. And there was still like water down in the bottom, in the bottom of it, like where I wanted to land. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I remember this so vividly in my head. I was like, dude, I want to kickflip. I'm talking to Mike. I was like, I want to kickflip it today, man. I'm so, I know I can do this. And he's like, well, if you want to do it so bad, go get some newspapers out of the trash or get a paper, <laughs> get some towels, go down there and dry that shit up. That's what he said. And I said, whoa, all right, fuck it, I'm going to do that. So Joe went in his trunk, got some rags, and we just cleaned it up. Or actually, it wasn't Joe because Joe missed it that day. Joe Hiddleston was like my main filmer. Yeah. And he didn't He didn't go to Philly that day, and he missed filming me kick flip the love gap. Damn. He was he was pissed. I think, <laughs> G, I think G shot it or Dan Wolf. I don't re really remember, but it was, it was uh, meant to be. I tried it one day before that, but I broke my board. Mm. And, um, but it took me five tries that, that day that I made it. But it was you before Tim? Yes. 
Damn. I did it in 97. Tim did it in like 2000, 2001. What's Damn, up with that, Tim. man? The fuck are you doing, Tim? That's the homie. I know. <laughs> I know. When I saw that in the video, I was like, what? He's like, oh, it was easy. I just felt like doing it. Wow. <laughs> Someone's got to talk to him. Yeah, that's all good. Whatever, dude. <laughs> It must have been funny to see that in the video, though. Your homie do oh, that yeah. trick so many years later. You're like, what the hell? Yeah, I was I was kind of thrown off. <laughs> but it's it's my homie. I don't really care. He, he made it look good. I just wish he would have. He tried a very heel flip a couple times, and I, I really think he could have put it down if he really spent the time on it. I really think he could have rolled away from a very heel for sure. For sure. That would have been beast. We just got back from a lovely couple days in Montreal with the Brixton squad celebrating the independent, friendly union. And as I'm sitting here right now, I am feeling extra crispy in my Ender jacket from Brixton, baby. Bro, you looking fly as ever. What do you think about my look, though? Dude. I got the yard denim overall with no t-shirt underneath. Woo! Showing off that body, dog. Grown and sexy. Yeah, and then, you know, when it's time to class it up, I'm hitting the club with the guard short sleeve polo, getting all kinds of looks from the ladies. At the end of the day, you cannot go wrong with the friendly union between Brixton and Independent. And one more thing, dog, they can throw a hell of a party, can't they? Woo! Yo, the art show, Tobin Yellen, shout out. That was a, quite the night. Had fun with all the homies in Montreal. Brixton gang in the building. Our boy, Justin Henry. Man, is he a model or is he a skater? That guy can do it all, man. <laughs> do yourselves a favor and head over to Brixton.com and get some of the friendly union between Indy and Brixton before it's too late, baby. You can't miss this one. So like you said earlier, cars were a big thing for you back in the day. All, all the DC guys, you, Kalis, Wenning and shit, stunting in your whips. Yeah. What was your favorite car back in the day and your most expensive purchase? My favorite one... I had a 2005 M3. It was an E46 M3, and it had a supercharger on it. It was Interlagos blue with uh, cinnamon interior. Oof. It was so sick. I got it from this dude down in Florida who just put so much money into it <laughs> and um, had it shipped up to Philly. Uh, so that was probably my favorite car I've ever owned, but my most yeah. expensive one was a 911 Turbo. I had a 2001 Porsche, and I paid 85 G's for it, and <laughs> I put I put about 15 or 20 thousand dollars into it. So over about 100 Holy grand fuck. into this like Jesus. one car. Yeah, and wow. had it for about six or seven months, and then sold it to my buddy, and then bought it back from my buddy like six months later, <laughs> and then <laughs> sold it again. I, I've had over 40 cars, and uh, holy yeah, I've had lots of cars, dude lots of lots of money thrown out the door on rims i probably had like a hundred different sets of rims <laughs> like you name it i've i've most likely had it i had four porsches at least 10 or 15 bmws <laughs> audis dude I, I, are you flipping them like no i i lose all the money that i put into them but like i flipped them online like i'll i'll sell them to other enthusiasts and stuff so mm -hmm. i was always able to like recoup my money and then reuse it but like say if i put like 5g's or 4g's into rims and tires i most likely would lose that 
but like mm-hmm. I never really like if I bought a car for forty, I'd sell it maybe like six months later for like thirty seven or forty with the stuff on it. So, really? wow. but yeah, it was. So I was always recouping that thirty forty G's and then like finance the rest or something, you know. So, mm-hmm. but yeah, it was. It's bad, bad habit, but it's like in my <laughs> mm-hmm. blood, dude. Like my dad, yeah. my dad used to yell at me all the time. He's like, "Dude, what the hell are you buying another car for?" And I was like, "Dad, you do this shit. Like, <laughs> like I got it from you. Like I can't, I can't shake it. I can't, I yeah. can't get. You know, every single car that I get, I have to do something to it. I have to modify. I have to slam it. I have to put wheels on it. I have to make it loud. It's just in me, man. I noticed you're friends with our buddy Jason from Miami, J Pone." You guys share the the car love. He's cool. Yeah, he bought he bought some of my parts for his car. Sick. Yeah, that dude's that dude's super cool, man. <laughs> he shreds too. Yeah, yeah, I know. I've been watching his videos. I was like, damn, he's good as shit. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. He's a, he's a cool dude, man. So in the skate game, who's your biggest competition in, this, in cars, man? Is it Kalis? Uh Kalis is way ahead of me, man. Like he's still making them big bucks driving like Lamborghinis and shit. I'm I'm driving like BMW wagons that I get that were smashed and I have to fix them up. <laughs> but yeah, he's like back then, you know, we weren't in competition, but we were just we always loved BMWs and he liked the bigger sedans and I liked the smaller cars and you know, but I mean, he's he's driving my dream car. He's driving a Lamborghini Gallardo. That's like my dream car to ever own one of those, you know. Oh, so, shit. yeah. So it's uh i just you know nowadays it's just family and it's that's it man like i just i work from home on some car stuff that i do and I, my wife has a company that we work together on from home so you know it's cool to be able to be here and raise our kids and be around them a lot so mm-hmm. instead of being at like some nine to five and not seeing my kids all day you know i'm right. still i'm still doing what i love to do and it's it's something i started on my own so it's like cool you know I'm still I'm still living the dream. It's still going. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. What, what are you doing with cars now? So what I do, I make these custom like side skirt extensions. They go under the side of the car and out or off the rear bumper. I make front lips for cars. So there's a lot of companies out there that make parts and they charge like four or five hundred dollars because it's like real carbon fiber or something like this. But in all in all, you can put a black piece of plastic and put like wrap on it, vinyl wraps, and people are still yeah. just so satisfied and charge only a hundred to two hundred dollars for it. You know, so that's what I'm doing. I'm I'm making a decent, cool little flare for your car, and yeah. and pricing it at the right price point. So um, I'm doing really well, man. I'm like busy almost every day making these things, and got people pulling up in front of my house with all different kinds of cars, and I'm <laughs> making templates and making Sick. custom stuff for them. So, you know, I'm still I'm I'm stoked now to like actually be doing something in cars because I've always wanted to like be involved with them at this kind of level. But I never wanted to work behind a counter and sell people rims. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, that's not what yeah. I wanted to do. Yeah. So Be a little more hands-on. Yeah, dude. That's, just, like, you know, it's cool to, like, create something and then see people, like, being stoked on it, you know? I went to Home Depot and bought, like, trim that you put at the bottom of your house, like the right. white wooden trim, but they make it in vinyl. So I got that shit, and that's how I made my first template for my one BMW. And, that, and then I was like, wait, I have them on the side. Now I got to make some rears. And I looked under the car and made sure I could mount it up and got more material and made the whole thing and sprayed it and made it look pretty cool and then posted it online on Beamer forums. And people were like, hey, can you make me a set? Can you make me a set? And then I started like selling them on there, but then I got booted off because like I wasn't like a real vendor. Oh. <laughs> yeah, so like I had to like 
I had to like just create my own shit, you know, like go on eBay store, make an eBay mm -hmm. store and all that stuff. So that's kind of what I've just been doing, like hustling my own stuff, you know. That's fucking sick, man. Sick that you're still doing something you love yeah. after a skate career. Yeah, for sure, man. And I have a ramp in my backyard. I can just stop working in my garage and just quick grab my board and go shred, you know. I'm, I, I work when I want, and and um, it's cool. I don't I don't have to wake up at eight, seven, eight o'clock in the morning, rush to a job, and sit there for eight hours, you know. Or mm -hmm. I get to work from home and and um, enjoy it. Hopefully, I can st keep doing it, you know. Yeah. So it's pretty well documented. Do you have a little bit of a temper when you're skating? Yeah. Where does that come from, man? Uh, another thing that I'm just that's in my blood, you know. It's something I can't get rid of. Maybe. You know, like maybe because I was like a spoiled kid, maybe my my parents were like just, you know, really took care of me and always were there for me. And I don't know, like spoiled brat, maybe kind of deal. And I always try to get what I want. So if I can't land something quick, I get pissed off. I mean, maybe that's what it's from. I don't know. But yeah, dude, I just I explode, man. I literally like explode because like I know I can do something and it's like not working out. I'm just I get too pissed off too quickly but i think it's sometimes it, it helps me because it helps me it helps push me because skateboarding dude is scary like some of the shit like you got to do is like scary as hell and it's intimidating so i'll get super pissed off and i'll punch myself in the head and i'll just like slam my shoe over my head or something like just to get pumped you know like wrestlers like they go get all psyched oh, and like psych punching yeah. each other to get like psyched for a match kind of like yeah. that like i just like so that the temper I never pushed it on anybody. You know, I'm I'm that dude who's like, I start laughing like right away. If someone makes a joke about it or whatever, I'm cool. Like, I'm not gonna go and hit somebody because yeah. my temper's <laughs> flaring. But I, I'm sure I embarrassed myself a bunch of times and, you know, and people were probably like, dude, he's gonna get us kicked out acting like an asshole like that, you know, so. But hey, man, it's something I, I it was hard for me to control it. But I do have a temper for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Of all the blow-ups, what was the biggest blow-up, you think? Oh, man, there were so many of them. So <laughs> fucking many of them. I think, like, filming for Skatemore was one of the hardest ones because it was, like, I was kind of just, I guess, partying too much, just taking advantage of everything and not skating enough. The, the, I think we had lost the, the TF at the time. Uh, we had the skate park for a long time. So yeah. it wasn't, we, we didn't have that to go skate all the time. And I'm the type of dude, it's like, I need to have something like perfected before I try to like go and try to jump down 10 stairs and try to do something. Cause mm -hmm. so like no longer having that park, like really set me back on learning tricks and keeping up with my skills. And then maybe just, you know, sleep until one, two o'clock in the afternoon and just Oh, I'm not going to skate today. I'm just going to go drive my car up to the Poconos and do nothing. Like I started skating a little bit less and less, you know, because I was over being hurt all the time. I was right. over the the intimidation, the fear of it. So it was like one of those things like, cause like my skating was always jumping down something or jumping right. over something. I, like I said, I wasn't good at ledge tricks. You know, I could skate flat and all that shit, but like who wants to see it? just flat land flat tricks unless you're like stevie you know what i mean like stevie yeah. stevie's got it proper i'm getting five yeah. inches seven inches off the ground that dude's getting two feet you know so it was like one of those things like my skating was always and i was always trying to find a new spot but i was always doing the same tricks so i was starting to get burned out kind of deal right. 
So those were the most frustrating days. So I do remember like trying to still skate rails and shit. And I always hated rails. I always fucking hated them. But like I only had like a couple tricks for them. Lip slides, front boards or something. And (laughs) I hated grinding rails. But I mean, skate more flip out days, you know, in the beginning of my video part, you can clearly see I'm losing my mind a lot. So, um, I mean, I can't pinpoint just one. Because there were so many of them. At least every single filming session I'd go on, I'd probably lose my fucking mind. You know? <laughs> and I'd literally, like, stop throwing my board. That's why I, like, started, like, taking my shoes off and, like, beating my head with my shoes or throwing my shoes far. Just, I would just do the stupidest shit because I was so sick of hooking up a new board. You know? Like, uh. I would smash my board. Every time I threw my board, and it's like, I was real particular with my board. So if like I got like scratches on the grip tape or a dent in the in the tail, I would hook up a new board. So it was like one of those things. That's why I started like throwing my shoe around because I was like, <laughs> my shoes can take the damage. Like my board can't, you know. <laughs> we were just watching the French Fred behind the scenes shit with you and Arto. Oh yeah, and the, that that one was seemed pretty one. epic. That one was really good. I I forgot about that one. I lost it on that one. Yeah. <laughs> How embarrassing. I just met those dudes, too, and I was acting like an idiot. <laughs> I'm, like, skating with no shirt on, or I remember it being hot as fuck there. And we were, I forget. I was trying to frontside flip the Mach Bar 4, yeah, and I yeah. hate doing frontside flips down shit because of landing backwards, and that's how I broke my ankle at the Tampa, oh. Florida gap. I don't know if you remember that. I broke my ankle super bad um so because it was on a 180 and so every time landing backwards on frontside 180 flips i uh, always had that fear of breaking my ankle again right so that was that was something that really really like set me off frontside flips mm-hmm. down gaps always set me off mm-hmm. like so i started like once i got the tf i started training to do that trick over pyramids and get better at it mm-hmm. but yeah that was yeah you had you had one of the better frontside flips. Oh, yeah. I'm surprised to hear that like you didn't like doing them. Yeah, I mean, just at the beginning, it was like scary, you know. Like, but I started, like I said, once I practiced them more, like then mm-hmm. I started feeling more and more comfortable. So, but that was early on of me trying to learn them, like down shit. Right. So frontside the, flip over the can, frontside flip melon over the can at love was epic too. Yeah. See, I got some people gave me shit for that because like, oh, why'd you grab? And I was like. Well, because another reason, because I tried regular frontside flip for an hour and just couldn't fucking do it. And then I was like, fuck it, dude. I'm just going to grab this shit. And I did it in three. (laughs) I was like, I did it in three tries because just getting my hand on there and locking it to my feet, Mm -hmm. I can I can then turn and I'm not going to like roll my back ankle. So I could never kickflip off that quick ass bump or frontside flip and catch it and feel comfortable. I was always, it was always fucking me up because it's so quick. Like yeah. those things, doing anything switch like Kalos is off those is insane. Like, I don't even know how to fuck he yeah, does that. bump is not long. <laughs> Dude, it's like the length of your board and there's no tranny. It's literally cocoon. Like, yeah. so it's, it's, it's not easy, you know? So I was like, I took, I just cheated and got the easy way out. But I actually liked the way it looked, and it was like I always liked street grabs. I thought it was cool. Like Jamie Thomas used to make them look so sick. Like, mm-hmm. so I was always like, "Fuck it, dude! I'm over this shit. Like, I'm just gonna grab it and get out of here." 
So yeah, I'm not the biggest fan of like kickflip melons, but for yeah. some reason that frontside flip melon just looks so sick. Yeah. I always like that one. <laughs> it's crazy. Like I can do them. I learned them on ramps. Like I learned them doing them on fr- uh, like on mini ramps, frontside flip melons. But I cannot, for the life of me, do a kickflip melon to fakie. Like how Andrew Reynolds does it. Like fucking mm-hmm. so huge. I tried it over and over, and I could never just do it to fakie. Uh, oh, and then I had to do it frontside. And, like I don't know. It's just weird, you know. Yeah. The skateboarding is fucking crazy. It's hard. <laughs> That's a funny one. Back to one of the questions that you guys asked before. It was like, what what was it like filming for Toy Machine video? Mm-hmm. Um, so Maldonado, what I brought up about me breaking my ankle was a scenario where we were pushing each other. You know, Maldonado went to back 180, that fountain. There's like this, it's not a fountain. It's a water gap. It, it was in Florida. It was sketchy as shit. It was right it was like maybe 15 minutes away from the Tampa pro contest. And everybody was talking about this like famous gap. That's like gnarly. You you go over water and it's rough as shit. The ground is gnarly and it's huge. So Molinaro and I went there and we were like, Oh, it's fucking pretty damn big, but we ollied it and shit. And only people had ollied it. Andrew Reynolds went to kickflip it and he backed out because of how shitty the ground was. Like, we had to set up two seashells at the top of the thing to literally only 12 inches wide to get through because everything had a crack at the top. So this one little section, we marked it with, like, two seashells (laughs) so we could skate through and hit the smoothest part. And um, so Maldonado was going to back 180, but, you know, it was windy, it was chilly, and it was the last day of our trip, and... And I said, look, Mike, like, I'll skate it with you. I'll front 180 it, you back 180 it, because I'm not kickflipping this thing. I'm not going to yeah. – this doesn't feel right going through that tiny little space. I know I'm not going to get the right pop. I'm going to kick my board into the water, and my board's going to be gone. So I was like, you know what, I'll just 180 it, and you get your backside 180, and I'll, I'll have my 180 to put in my part, and you'll have your insane back 180. Right. So, you know, just being there for the homie to, like, push him to, like – because I was like, I knew he could do it. You know, it was just one of those fucking sketchy scenarios, sketchy spot. But I knew it was going to be epic if he did it. And he fucking, I ended up, he ended up locking his truck, hanging up on the gap at the bottom, dude. He hung up, did a fakey rock on the landing, <laughs> ripped his truck straight through his board. The mounting hardware ripped through his board. He he flew back. Luckily, he had the huge afro. So, okay. like, he his, his afro was like a fucking helmet for him. And he hit his head. And I was like, dude, it was so... It was bad. It was bad. Like, he was fine. But it was one of those things I should have just walked away from it. And I was like, all right, I'm just going to land this 180. Because I landed on it four times. Perfect. I just skirted out. I just couldn't land. And it was windy as shit, dude. Last try, I 180, and the board just goes whoosh right off my feet, and I land in 180 position oh. over this gap, and my ankle buckled completely up over and around. I, oh. I, broke, I broke it through the skin three places. I dislocated oh, it fuck. and chipped it, and it was right when I got sponsored by Toy Machine. Jesus. So I broke my ankle so gnarly, so bad, and it took me a year to come back. <laughs> but nice. good thing I had enough footage saved through the year before that for that's how i my jump off a building part came out so oh, when damn. that video part came out no one even knew i was hurt because i had all this footage coming out and all these yeah. photos and video part but i was cut short for filming for that video 
Damn. So that, that yeah. part was still fucking banging as hell. Thanks, mm-hmm. dude. That was like kind of like my first first big part, you know. Besides the Fairman's video, I had a part in the Fairman's. That was kind of like my sponsor me tape a video part in that. So we've heard some crazy stories about how insane demos and signings were with Bam mm-hmm. during the height of his celebrity. Yeah. What's one of your wildest memories of Bam? Um, I kind of. I really didn't travel with Bam too crazy at that time because he was on Element. Mm-hmm. So in the early days of like Toy Machine, he wasn't Bam Margera. I don't give a fuck. I'll do whatever I want. He was just Bam the skateboarder that I knew. You know what I mean? He wasn't. He wasn't that famous yet. So like I didn't get to travel too much with those signings, but I did go to Barcelona with him once. Like he flew me out there. Like near the, it was like after like all his fame and filming Viva La Bam and he just needed his homie there to like go film for this one video part and I said sure dude he's like I'll fly you first class I was like oh fuck sick (laughs) man so stayed in this like sick ass hotel with just being treated like a like a rock star dude you know what I mean it was so cool but you know I always had great times with Bam I never really liked the chaos side of it I never really liked the jackass side of it I was always that person that was like always get hurt. So like, mm-hmm. you know, whatever I was trying, I was always nervous because I was like, all right, this is fucking stupid, man. I'm going to get hurt doing this and I'm not going to be able to skate for like weeks and I'm <laughs> not going to get paid to do this shit really that much, you know, like, so it was one of those things like I just, I didn't like being around it, you know, right. I, so I kind of just kept away from it. I might, I, I told Bam, I was like, dude, anytime you want me to come up and f- skate for your TV show, I'll skate. But I'm not fucking doing this, like, dumb shit. Like, (laughs) I'm just not into it, you know? So I just stayed away from it. You know, it worked out for those guys, and it it was just something I I just wasn't really into. Mm -hmm. Like, I I filmed one thing with them for Jackass, and I had to, like, kickflip this eight-foot pyramid, and then Ryan Dunn would splash water all over my face, (laughs) and then I would land, and then Bam would fucking punch me in the face with, like, boxing gloves on. (laughs) And it was like, I had, I had to do it so many times. So I'm like fucking soaked. My pants are soaked. I feel like 20, 30 pounds heavier, kick flipping this fucking eight foot pyramid. And um, good thing, I, I was like, dude, he's going to fuck my neck up or something. Yeah. And, I, and, and But the thing is, it didn't even make it in the movie. It made it in the credits. Fuck it. Yeah, I was like, fuck, dude. Like, did all that shit. And I wasn't even in the movie. <laughs> <laughs> But I, I did make maybe, like, two grand off of it over, like, a, a seven-year period. Like, I just got a check from it two days ago for 20 bucks. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they, these random checks will show up, dude, like, from Jackass. And it's, like, yeah. one check I think might have been, like, $370. And then that might have – the biggest one, I think, was maybe, like, 700 and then 300 and then random ones like are four dollars seven dollars like <laughs> they should just bank them until it's worth it yeah right so a lot of people know bam as like the celebrity and yeah. cky and jackass and shit but tell us a little bit about bam the skater like oh how bam. good really was he bam was incredible dude and the funny thing is a lot of people don't know like he couldn't he had the hardest time doing a backside 50 50 if ever if you ever just like notice videos of him he's always skating like switch or nollie or something because like he hurt his front ankle so bad that like he couldn't skate for like weeks or months so he would always skate switch so like that's 
kind of how he and he really was a fan of like Ali Bulala, like switch alleys and shit. So like he really like latched on to like that kind of style. And um, it was just uh, nobody was doing nollie full cabs on ramps. You know what I mean? And he was doing it five feet out, you know, all because like he'd get obsessed with something and then like he'd he'd train himself like, okay, switch back, switch back tails, switch back tails, switch back tail shoves. So like, dude, I was insane. I was like, man, he's doing switch back tail shove it's and like on the love ledges. To me, they're so high. I couldn't even barely do a back tail, you know? And it was like, Bam was always the motivator. He was always the dude who's like, well, you're going to go home, fuck, smoke weed. You're going to go home, do this, pussy. Get up there and try it. Like, he was always that one to, like, kind of make fun of you if you, like, backed out of something. So he'd be like that and be like, fuck you, all right, I'm going to try it. And then you get, like, elevated to, like, push yourself to do it. Mm-hmm. So Bam was, like, one of the best people to be around to film because he always wanted a camera out. He always wanted to be on camera, and he was always trying to be productive nonstop. So that's what always drew me to band was that dude that's dope yeah he's a fucking legend yeah dude he's he's been through a lot and you know his life i couldn't imagine what he's gone through being come this like famous person and all that shit and all the crazy chaos that comes with it you know i I do miss the old bam a lot you know i try to visit him once in a while and keep in touch with him and shit but like he's got his own crazy busy life you know so my life is hectic as shit so (laughs) i just try to just stay positive every single day you know yeah bam seems like he's on one right now yeah yeah he's in some crazy shit on instagram yeah he's he's having he's on a bad one right now but i'm i'm hoping you know for his family and everybody can help him get out of this shit you know yeah Yeah, and he can move forward bam's just that person who loves to be entertained and loves to be doing something he can't sit still so yeah. if he doesn't have like some project to work on or something to look forward to, it's life's boring. You know yeah. what I mean? So it's like he wants to find that next jackass, that next Viva La Bam, that next CKY. Like he's always hunting for something. You know? yeah, for sure. Do you think pro skaters have it better these days or do you think it was better in the the 90s early 2000s better in the early night in the late 90s early 2000s easy answer guarantee yeah, yeah. I, I i feel bad for some of those dudes out there that are fucking so good at skateboarding and may not ever get recognized you know or the the companies just don't have the funding or it's just a clusterfuck of so many skateboarders it's like an overload you know so you almost don't even know who to zone in on and focus on you know and the content is ridiculous nowadays you know it's every day dudes are dropping you know 50 second clips a minute clip that's like used to be a full video part (laughs) for some people you know what i mean and like Mm -hmm. these dudes are just dropping the hammer every day so yeah i mean it's it's different man like I don't even know how some of these dudes like even get paid, you know, like to, to skate, like to be able to go and around and, and, and make a living doing it. But yeah. it's, I don't, I don't know. I'm, I'm just kind of so far out of it anymore. So I, I can't even really voice my opinion about it, but I feel from my view of it, like I really think 
the era of the late 90s. The early 2000s was the best. That was right when everything was great. All the companies had funding. Money was there. You know, the skaters all had great sponsors. You know, it was video parts meant the world still. You know, videos were everything. Mm -hmm. Videos were, video parts were everything. You know, 401s, all that shit, waiting to get those clips and watch them in skate shops. Like, that was, like, the best. That was the best for us as kids, too. Yeah, for sure. Now it's just, you're overloaded with skating. Yeah, now it's... keep up. Yeah, and they don't even know what that's like, you know, all the younger kids, especially kids that are, like, 15 right now, you know, who just started, like, within the last couple years. All they know is Instagram. All they Mm -hmm. know is social media. They're growing up in this world, you know, like in this era right now. And they don't know, they don't even know that our era really existed and was so impacting the skateboarding. It all evolves and it all changes, man. You know, you can't uh, deny it. You can't stop it. Yeah, that's crazy. I'd have to agree. As a fan, like it was like more fun back then for sure. Oh, yeah. yeah. Hands down, man. I miss it. I really do. I'd still be fucking going to a skate shop and going to my shop and watching a video and buying videos. Popping exactly. popping DVDs in, I'd still be doing that shit to this day if it if yeah, it was right. around, you know. But now you just now you just pick up your phone. You can't even watch it all, you know. No, you can't. Too much these days. Oh yeah, if I'm like off Instagram for like three hours, you just like miss like five video parts. <laughs> you know what I mean? You're like, oh shit. You see it in the feed like days later and like realize it was old. You're like, yeah. oh man, he did that shit a week ago. <laughs> So at what point did you decide to open up your skate shop, Nocturnal? And how's it going over there these days? I'm not too involved with it these days right now, but I opened it in 2000. And the only reason I did was because Sub-Zero had closed. Sub-Zero was a motorcycle shop and Sub-Zero was like the heart of the city. It was like the best skate shop. And I had just started coming to the city and um, Sub closed. And um, I ended up moving there and living full time there. So I was like... There just really wasn't a core shop that I felt was like cool. And mm-hmm. um, it just, Philly needed it. So I was like, yeah. you know what? I partnered up with a good friend of mine from back home and he moved to Philly and he took the reins of running the shop and I did all the promotion and getting it out there and all the magazines and getting coverage. And, you know, the X Games came to the city that year when we opened up. So it literally just, I knew it would work. Right out of the gate, I was like, there's no, there's no fucking way that this shop can't work with yeah. where I am right now and the level of, of where I am in, in the industry. And I have a great partner. I live three blocks from the store. You know, I got a huge crew that we film every day. And so it instantly took off. You know, it was really cool. And the Nocturnal, Joe Castrucci did the logo for it. It all just came. It was all perfect timing, you know, Sick. and it just... It was awesome, dude. It was awesome for a good, like, eight years until my partner left and then got some other people involved and then it tanked and it had to be closed. I shut it down and it just, like, pretty much no money involved in it. And I pretty much wanted to get back involved with it, but but I didn't at the same time. So mm-hmm. I contacted two dudes who ran a shop, like, in another state over, and they run their shop amazingly. And I was like, if these guys could get involved they can make it work i know because i only closed it for like three weeks it was one of those things because like our location we were at at the time needed to i just needed to get out of it and the recession hit and all the stores on the main strip called south street i was always off 
the, the main strip, just a few doors down, I wanted to be on the main strip. So all the rent started like coming down on South Street on the main strip. So we were able to get a lo- in, a, in a good location for a good price. And those guys just, you know, took off. They, they really did a good job. We all came together with the design and the layout. And, you know, I like boutique, cool, like stores where like mom and dad can come in and feel comfortable. I never mm-hmm. really liked the skate shops that were more like grimy and boards all over the floor. And I, I really wanted almost like a boutique kind of style skate shop. And it worked. It really did. And I started seeing a lot of shops doing that afterwards after we did that. So, like, I, I went I hired this, like, dude that did, like, shelving units for Urban Outfitters. I hired him to design all the stuff. So it was, like, really cool when we opened. We had a really, really cool-looking shop. And the logo, names, everything, it just was rad. You know, it was a cool place to be. That's dope. We had, like, fucking nocturnal animals in there when we first opened. We had like f- flying squirrels in cages and these nocturnal frogs and shit. <laughs> That's crazy. But yeah, we ended up getting rid of those because it was like too much. The, the employees wouldn't take care of them, you know? They'd fucking die or something. <laughs> yeah. The frogs the frogs ended up dying and then... But we gave the flying squirrels to somebody. Some other person just took them. So I was like, <laughs> no more fucking animals in the shop, dude. Yeah. No more yeah, nocturnal animals. Uh, but yeah, that was cool. But it... it dude is awesome and it's still there 18 fucking years mm-hmm. and it's still taking care of skateboarders so a little while ago one of our good friends was in philadelphia mm-hmm. and he went to the shop kind of hoping he'd see you and meet you yeah and you were there but he got starstruck and uh a little too scared to say what up oh yeah so we were hoping you could just say what up to our boy six for us yeah for sure what up six how you doing man I'm, you should have came up to me man i'm chill man <laughs> everybody thinks i'm like this mean cat because i got a temper but it's not the truth i'm i'm real outgoing and i'll talk to anybody man everybody everybody's a homie right away as long as like you're cool with me i'm cool with you you know boom made it happen man yeah, yeah. awesome a little while ago you and Wecking Ball got into it on Instagram and uh, seemed like some drama was popping. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you called the cops on him or something. I, I don't remember the full details of what happened, but what's your side of the story? That's so funny. I called the cops. I didn't call the cops on that dude. <laughs> it was, it, uh, that was pretty good. He, he got me on that one. That was so cool how he recorded himself leaving the police station like the next day. Like... He literally laid low off of Instagram the entire day for like 24 hours, made it look like I called the cops and got them locked up. Like, <laughs> like I can really call the cops from my house and they're going to ru- rush to his house. Like, I don't even know his location. I don't have his fucking address. I don't know where the guy lives. But it's like he, he pissed me off because like he said something like on Instagram. He commented something and I just said something back and then i just blocked him i was like because i don't deal with that shit man i don't have time to deal with any of that stuff it's his game dog yeah i mean that's cool if that's what he wants to do that's what he wants to do but um i blocked him i get a phone call from ac like atlantic city and i'm like this dude has my fucking phone number (laughs) like literally no more than i blocked him and he's like yo dog why you blocking me and i'm like this dude's uh, and I'm home with three of my little kids. I have a one-year-old, a three-year-old, and a four-year-old. So I'm home being a full-time dad to these little ones, and this dude's calling me to fuck with me. So I instantly just blew up on him. 
And I said, you got nothing else to fucking do, motherfucker? You're calling me at home while I'm taking care of my kids? I was like, you got nothing else to do? And I just repeated myself and repeated myself. And he didn't put that online. Like, he only yeah. put what he wanted to take out of the conversation. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so he, he ends up recording me. Like, I wasn't recording him. And I said that I was recording. I was fucking full of shit. Like, I was, yeah. just, I was just, like, saying, dude, I got you fucking threatening me. You know what I mean? Like, I was just heated that he was calling me at home while I'm, like, taking care of my little kids, dude. Like, yeah. I just didn't, I didn't appreciate it, you know? So, that was it. But, like, I don't have any beef with the dude. He's actually been to my house and skated my ramp, like, yeah. months or a few years before that. And the dude rips. But, you know, I just, I don't like that type of shit, man. Like, don't, you know, I'm not going to fuck with you. Why fuck with me? Especially at my house. Mm-hmm. You know, while I'm around my kids and all that shit. And it's like, I just didn't appreciate it. So, but, you know, and then he, I, I, and then he puts it out there that, like, I called the cops. And, dude, I wouldn't do that shit. You know what I mean? I'm not, a, I'm not that much of a fucking pussy. You know what I mean? It's just, it just felt like the right thing to say to get him off my back. Not knowing that he was recording my conversation. Yeah. <laughs> but, dude, I give well, him credit. Uh, I give him, ma- I give him mad credit for taking all that time off he probably killed him not to go on instagram all day and then he went and then to go to the police station the next day and film himself leaving it that was it was fucking incredible yeah he, he, he kills instagram yeah. man yeah it was funny it's funny to hear your side after only seeing like what he's decided to post it's like so <laughs> yeah. believable what he puts out there oh yeah I'm sure, for like sure, everyone man. believes everything he says and to like hear from you what happened it's like he God got what he what? needed from me you know he recorded oh, yeah. my voice that and he, phone call that was it dude he got my voice and you know all i would have had to do is just hang up on the dude <laughs> but he it irritated me that he called me at my home you know oh, that yeah. was like that just set me off so but whatever dude it's it's cool he got me he got you it's all good man yeah we've all been wrecked. yeah i got wrecked too <laughs> he's the homie yeah so we saw on youtube a pilot for a reality show starring yourself and yeah. your family called flipping out yeah man when we when are we gonna see the next episode yeah gets flipping i called it oh gets flipping. Hey, yeah it's kind of cool man it was one of those things it was it was something my my wife is like super into interior design and mm. she's absolutely got the eye to design houses and she's renovated her this whole house like herself like everything she's just amazing so i kind of helped get involved with the second half of the house we put an addition on the house five bedrooms upstairs we had a one level house now we have five bedrooms upstairs so i had to like kind of dive in and learn a lot of things so we were all sitting around our friends were good friends her friends that she grew up with really good guys run companies run everything so we wanted to flip houses together so i invested some money my boy invested some money we got this started this whole company and and wanted to start flipping houses so i was like i'm just gonna film a show of it i'm gonna film a pilot and i was gonna do it with all my phone and do it with you know my gopro and just do it all on my own and i had this dude rebar who rides for terra planet excess company that i skate for now and um he approached me he said hey dude like i like what you're posting on facebook or instagram dude it's so rad like how you're like scared to go in the house and all these clips i was posting so he's like i want to come and film so then he started filming and editing everything and we only filmed it five, six days. And we had the house for like six months. And um, so it was one of those things I just felt like my family, my story, my crew that I have, we can film a fucking reality show easy. Oh, yeah. And I was like, dude, there's no way it wouldn't work. It's just 
all every all the stars have to align. Everything has mm-hmm. to come together. And you know what? It, it really did through the house and through the little pilot we filmed in such a short time. I actually got a produ- production company from California contacted me, send me a contract that wanted to like push the issue of doing it. Mm-hmm. And like he was going to help me film another one or, or take the footage we had because it all has to be shortened up into like a three minute thing for him to pitch the HGTV, yeah. pitch to all the networks. So I was like, I was getting nervous because I was like, fuck, man, now I have a contract in my hand. Like, I got to get a lawyer to look at it. And, you know, I've been burned one time before by signing something I didn't read. So I was like kind of nervous. So the long story short, everything went awesome with the house. We sold it in three weeks. Um, My wife did an amazing job. My crew did an amazing job. We worked our asses off on this fucking shithole of a house. Mm -hmm. Um, But at the end when we went to sell it and got the inspection there was the septic system under the ground was bad so that was 25 grand so and then the house was older and it needed of course when we're trying to sell it it's raining every day so it's in this like kind of swampy little area Mm -hmm. so then rain started getting into the basement a lot and there was no sub pump in the basement to get the water out so we had to install that that was another eight grand so all 35 grand of our profit that we were going to walk away with and Uh split uh was gone so we ended up not making any money so my investment i got it all back i made some money through the through the process of getting paid through the investments that we had but we just decided to not do it because it was we just it was one of those things i know we have the crew to do it but it just didn't work out for the first one mm-hmm. to, in order to move forward to the next one. Yeah. So it kind of spooked my one partner and my one partner is super busy. So it was really hard to, for us all to escape our jo- other jobs to go and flip these houses. Mm-hmm. Cause you know, me and my wife run two companies out of our house and my buddy had works full time and then only had weekends. And then his brother was like our main contractor. So his, and his brother's super busy. So it was really hard for us all to come together and, and get involved in another house. Mm-hmm. But, dude, it was awesome. And, you know, and I was speaking to this dude, like, in Cali, who did Little People Big World. Like, I don't know if you've ever seen that show. It's Yeah. Yeah, it's like he started rea- big reality shows. Crazy. So I have the chance to do it, but my main the main story storyline plot to the everything would be flipping houses and then about my family adopting the kids and all that stuff so that was all going to be wrapped up into the show but it just dude it just didn't work out it wasn't the right timing you know dude how about when uh you guys were cutting down the tree and it almost fell on the car though oh my god dude that scared the shit out of me because it's crazy that was like the and the crazy thing is like the fucking lady that was driving i don't understand how she didn't see my wife like hey like fucking standing in the middle of the road and she just was insane she must have been texting or something dude like and i'm like how do you not see fucking people like it was crazy it's a good thing it did land on inches man dude it was yeah it was literally like 12 inches away about and that dude that was like a new ford explorer dude like Thank fucking God it didn't land on that car. Because then that would have been another expense and getting the insurance company involved. You know, we've, it was our first house. And, you know, it was a lot of things we took on ourselves just to save a thousand here, a thousand there, whatever, you know. 
but we ended up selling the house for 30 grand more than we ever even thought we were going to get for it. Mm-hmm. So good thing we did because that 30 grand covered everything <laughs> that had to yeah, go in at the right end back into or it. I would have fucking lost half my fucking investment. Jesus. So mm-hmm. it, it's, it was a learning experience. It was great. I loved the fucking house it came out awesome, but, and the pilot I thought was pretty good. You know, it could have been better if we would have got more content, but I, it was six days of filming, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we did our best. Uh, it'd be sick if that, if you guys ever did that again, Good to see uh, pro skaters like hosting like Rick McCrank. I don't know if you've seen his show. No, I haven't, but, dude. I gotta, I gotta check it out on online. It's, I'm sure it's on YouTube. Yeah, Vice. I will uh, look into that, but I, I definitely think it's something we might jump back into, maybe in like a year or two. And we know not to ever buy another hoarder house, and oh, yeah. yeah, and in that kind of area, you know. <laughs> so. The house came out looking great, though. Final product was... That was dope, man. Dude, my wife staged that entire house. It was just crazy that, like, I was just watching parts, all Carrie parts one night, Mm -hmm. and then just a pilot for a show came up, and I'm like, this can't be Carrie Getz, man. (laughs) Yeah. And then I'm like, holy fuck, this guy's got a reality show. Yeah. No one even knows about it. (laughs) Dude, it could have been something, man. And, And it's... I know we have it. I know our story is is fucking pretty pretty epic, and I just feel like our crew is. I got a rock saw. I got a great. I'm in a great spot right now with friends and family and all that stuff. So <clears throat> I feel really secure of where I am in life. I was a little scared, ten like getting out of skateboarding and not knowing where I was going. Yeah, I started like, I started going down a real dark path, dude. Like, cause I just was scared of the future, of scared of the unknown, mm-hmm. you know, and. I had spent shit tons of money on cars, and it was one of those things, like, I was, like, getting getting nervous. Yeah. So, but my wife saved me. <laughs> <laughs> so, how did um, you kind of come to a close with all your sponsors? What was the story with, uh, I guess, quitting, or I don't know what how you ended things with all your sponsors? What's the story there? Well, it kind of just, once the recession hit, Everything just started going downhill. Every couple months, you'd get a phone call. Oh, we got to cut this. We got to cut back on this, you know? So everything was just month, every four to five months, I felt like there was a change of going deeper and deeper and deeper into a hole of like one day, within the next two years, I'll be making no money off skateboarding and I'm not going to be able to like, like get any money to skateboard again. You know what I mean? I just, I saw it coming, you know, but I wasn't ready for it. So it just gradually went down to like almost nothing. And then I was like, you know, Habitat was like, you know, we'll, we want to have a board, your name on a board forever and all that stuff. And I was, I was cool with that, you know, but it was like one of those things, my homie, my close homie here in like East Coast was like starting a brand and he approached me to do like a, just like a, t- like a team, like a, a guest board. Right. And I said, look, dude, like I'm not really going to be skating much anymore i'm so tied up with my kids and my life that i'm not really going to be able to skate or film a part anymore so i'm just going to walk away from habitat and i'll ride for your brand and i'll help you whatever i can to like get your name out there through me any way i can to just help your brand get a your foot in the door a little bit further you know Mm -hmm. so it was one of those things i was just i was kind of over it dude like and then like dvs was just gone you know what i mean they were filing for bankruptcy they were leaving everything was falling apart so i kind of was just i just kind of walked away from everything i said you know like 
I still want to skate. I skate when I can, but I just didn't want to be involved in the industry anymore and just seeing lots of changes. And so that was pretty much how I just walked away from everything. And, and then, but, you know, I just wanted to back my homie and see because his worth ethic, his graphics, he would do a, did a graphic with Stan Lee, like yeah. so sick, like he's super in the comics and stuff. And Stan Lee signed boards, a hundred boards for him. It was just rad, you know. It was like that's crazy. I saw that he had potential in building a brand, but I knew it wasn't going to be easy. But having a board brand, no matter who you are these days, it's hard to have, you know. So I just wanted to help him out, mm-hmm. and he's doing pretty good with what he's what he's hustling and doing, you know. What's it called again? Uh, it's called Terra Planet X. It's Sick. out of like Westchester. It's a cool brand. TOPX. They have some cool ass boards. Back to skating for a sec. Back in your prime. Double flips get mixed reviews, but you had one of the best ones. What are your thoughts on double flips these days? <laughs> it's getting out of hand. <laughs> it's getting out of hand. Um, you know, back to uh, my skating not being able to learn ledge tricks, not being able to do things. I was always kick flipping something. I was always just repeating tricks and I couldn't stand it. So I was like, I, I guess it was just one day I just started like, I guess it was Tampa when I was like double flipping the pyramid. And then I was like, best trick came up and I was like, I don't know what to do. All right, I'm going to try and do double backside flip over the pyramid. And, you know, I didn't want to, I don't know. I wasn't the biggest fan of double flips, but I felt like if you catch them and you do them over stuff, I thought that was pretty rad. You know, some some skaters eventually started doing that, and um, some dude Tim O'Connor double flipping the ten in in Brooklyn or something. Yeah, like it just looks cool if you do it right. You know yeah. what I mean? It's like Takes now, dude. Certain person. Yeah, it, that's the thing. It's like a trick like that you can get away with if you do it right. But it was like, I don't know, man. It wasn't something that. I enjoyed all the time. I just enjoyed <laughs> kick flipping gaps, but it was just it was one trick that could I could put in my part that was different, you know? Because yeah. I was my I had a lot of tricks, but I was also limited to a lot cuz I was always flipping my board down gaps and you know, fucking bruised heels all the time and I don't know. So that's kind of why I did the double flip and then I don't know, a lot of people started doing it and there was a lot of people that really did it good like Mark Johnson was doing some really good ones yeah you're down the the makba big four was if i had to pick a favorite double flip (laughs) oh i hate that one i fucking hate that one hand down yeah i hate i catch it primo in the air (laughs) dude i couldn't walk i couldn't walk for days after that yeah because the front side half calf flip that i did down the the gap in the front Mm -hmm. do you remember that one over the crack kelly Kelly Hart three Kelly, flip. Yeah, Kevin. Yeah, he did that. I had filmed that first, so I had front side half cab flip that, and it took me fucking way too long. It was stupid. So I ended up. It was my last day in Barcy, so I was like, "Whatever." I'm fly. jumping down that thing. My adrenaline's going. I was like, "Let's go to the back. I want to just try the double flip." And I, I couldn't, dude. My my ankle, like I said, I broke my ankle through the skin three places, and I lost about ten or fifteen percent of my movement up and down. Mm. So I have a lot of cartilage buildup in between my bones. Like most people have, like space in between their bones where you can see in, in like um, when you get X-rays. Mine is just all filled in. Mm. So every time I would jump down shit, I would constantly get hot pockets if I landed wrong in any way. So. I was jumping down the front, and then, of course, my, the four in the back is bigger. 
So oh, now yeah. I'm jumping down this after jumping down the thing in the front for an hour. <laughs> I'm limping back up to even do the double flip. And I just, I physically couldn't do it anymore. And I, I hate that double flip. My fucking, to this day, I hate it. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I, I had to, I had to take it. I had to just. I was feeling it. Yeah. Well, I'm glad people like it because, you know, at least I know a lot of people were like, oh, he put his hands down and, and I, I'm, I, I critique it so much. You know, yeah, I know I perfectionist. I wanted to do it the way I did it over the can at Love or yeah. over a pyramid where I catch it super fucking high and just flawless. Boom, land n- bolts and ride the fuck away and get on the yeah. airplane and go home. You know, <laughs> but it's it it just wasn't that case, dude. So that's a banging day though. A couple of oh, bangers. Yeah. So it's well documented that you're a father of five. We can barely take care of ourselves, and we're in our thirties, <laughs> let alone five kids. How do you do it, man? Um, my wife, my wife and I are, are a great team and, um, it's, it's, I've learned so much from her and she was a teacher and she's really good with kids and, you know, I'm a kid at heart. So I really like to have fun, try to have fun with my kids and do cool things with them, build slides, the ramp, they, they have a blast. They use my ramp like slides and, you know, I'm just, (laughs) I just, you know, the thing is like, I didn't want any kids, none. Mm -hmm. I was happy with not having one kid but my wife she wanted to have two so when we first got together we had already started it was about a year maybe and we already started talking about getting married because we just felt we were perfect you know we were in and out of our own relationships through our lives and we knew when we met each other we were looking for each other you know so Mm -hmm. it was that perfect scenario that we we came together and so you know we got married a year and a half to two years after being together and um we talked before we got married and she said look like i want to have two kids and i said okay i i i want to be with you i'm not gonna like say that you're we're not gonna have two kids because i think i can handle two you know whatever (laughs) yeah yeah so we get married and you know we didn't even start our family but it was like we're on our second our two-year anniversary wedding anniversary at the beach and we get a phone call that her brother's kids are getting removed from the house um and the boy at the time he was seven and the little girl she was three and then they just had a baby that was two months old so all three of them were being removed so the baby was went straight to the hot the wife went the lady went straight to the hospital had the baby so we started visiting the baby and we had started fostering the three-year-old and the seven-year-old so because it was just a bad scenario their parents just didn't have their shit together you know so it's my wife's brother's kids and so i felt like it's the right thing to do to step up and take them in so i instantly went from zero to three kids in two two months and there weren't even my kids they're you know they're my wife's brother's kids but we had known the seven-year-old because when he was five he was in and out of homes and we'd help foster him even when he was five so then he'd go back to the parents and he'd get back taken back out again so it was one of those scenarios it was it had to end he was seven yeah. years old he's been in seven different homes i was like this has got to end so my wife and i fostered them and take the in the baby we were scared we're like oh my god we're gonna take the baby too because we're like if we don't take the baby the baby will go somewhere else and they'll, they'll yeah. all be separated yeah so we ended up taking getting the baby at two months old a little baby boy wow. so he so i've been his dad for the last five and a half years and um and while all this is going on, my wife and I have our first two kids. 
because we weren't going to put our kids to the side because we have these three now. My wife wanted to have her two kids and, and, you know, so we just dove into it, dude. And it was like, that was, it's, it's been a life changer, man. Like I, all I do is take care of kids every day, all day long. And it wasn't anything that like I had pictured my life would be. Yeah. But now that I'm doing it, it's like I'm handling it. You know what I mean? And it's like my wife and I are, are still completely madly in love. And we hang out every single night, like just stoked to be with each other. You know, mm-hmm. and we have we went from zero to five kids. That's so crazy. Man. So it's like it's insane. You know what I mean? So it's and, you know, when they're so young, they really don't know, you know, like what's going on, like why they live with us and why they're not with their real parents you know, mm-hmm. so all that's hard to like, because we're honest with them and say that, you know, they have parents out there, but they're sick. They can't take care of you and all this stuff. And, you know, it's they're they're in a good place. Trust me now. But yeah, it just sucks. They had to go through that, but it's over. But they'll go through it their whole lives because, you know, they're not with their real parents. But, you know, we are their parents now and they call me dad every single day. That's you know, amazing. so it's 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 crazy. But, you know, and that was some reason you know why like when people make fun of me online like why all these kids are come at me and i'm like dude like you don't know the story behind these kids dude like i don't think you'd be saying that shit if you knew the real story you know these kids we saved these kids from two piles of shit you know what i mean who now who actually had another baby six months ago so now there's another baby in the picture so he's six months old and my wife a block away my my wife's mother who lives a block away has been raising him okay so that's good to hear at least yeah so i mean but if she wasn't there to be able to do it we'd have another one so i'd actually have six so (laughs) now so now the scenario is where like we're going to keep him in the family keep him a part of the family Mm -hmm. but um the thing is um we don't know if we're going to adopt him or the other mother and father is going to adopt them crazy man yeah so it maybe in a, a year i'll have i'll legally have six kids <laughs> wow coming you're from zero to six man. you're a hero man that's a Absolutely. fucking wild story coming from a guy who didn't want any <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but hey, man. in a situation like that it's like you either step up or your worst nightmare comes true you know yeah it's just if I wouldn't, I'd feel so bad for all the kids. Like, they'd exactly. be separated. Who knows where they would have went. Like, they're all sweet kids. And, and, dude, the 12-year-old that I have, his name's Jason. He's, like, I love that kid. He's, like, the best, man. Like, he's my right-hand man in this house. He's fuck, He's so smart. He's just, he's an awesome kid, you know. And, I, and it's, 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 it turned out pretty good, you know. Scared. It's a scary thing to leap into, but it's, we're making it happen. I just hope our, 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 our companies can and keep working so we can feed these kids and feed our family a seven right now and possibly <laughs> soon to be eight. So it's like I just want all that stuff to work out. Yeah. Hey, man. Wishing you nothing but the best. That's a truly uh, special story. Thanks, brother. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. They all call you dad and mom and brother and sister? Yep. Yes, they do. That's amazing. That's yeah. what's up. We wow. tucked them all. They tucked them all in every single night, and then we go from room to room. Like it's it's wild, man. I've, it's crazy. It's that's a crazy, special, crazy, crazy, crazy wow. scenario, dude. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's not I, what I was expecting. I, <laughs> yeah. I I really wish like 
the the whole reality show would have happened why we were doing the addition while adopt because yeah it took that us would have been a crazy pilot if you yeah. start at your own house with <laughs> yeah. this story yeah because be we insane. dude we lived in this house we lived yeah. in it with the roof off of it you know like the wow. roof was being torn off like we were away for a week and the roof was being taken off and then when we got back there was no roof on the house so it was just planks of wood and tarps over it and Jeez. then there was there was dudes showing up at our doorstep every eight o'clock, nine o'clock in the morning, and then fucking hammers and saws and, and putting putting a whole new level on our house while we were living downstairs, That's while raising five kids yeah. in it. Like our kids were sleeping in front of the door, like on wooden, like on on blankets in front of the door. Like we were just all spread out all over yeah. the bottom of the house because we no longer because it, it just was wild, dude. Mm-hmm. And you know we had dudes walking on stilts. Like drywall and spackling yeah. and shit, <laughs> like over top of you guys. Yeah, just like walking down to our living room while our kids are watching fucking Mickey Mouse. Yeah, you know it was it was wild. Dude, it's so crazy to think that you guys have time to do anything else <sighs> than to I, care for the kids, man. The fact that you guys got your own companies going is yeah, it's insane. Yeah, I mean it, it'd be a lot harder if we had to like leave the house because then we'd have to pay somebody exactly to like take care of the kids, and you know it's that's. That's a whole nother scenario, you know. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's it's working, brother. You know, we got it. We got it. We got it going. We're handling it. All the kids come into the picture after uh, you stepped away from like the pro skating. It kind of, it was all happening all at the same time. Oh wow! It was all like Hectic companies. Times. I was getting yeah, I was getting pay cut after pay cut, and kids more than you know taking in three kids and then going from getting paid to nothing but my wife was a full-time teacher so she was making good money and um so she'd go to work and i'd be here with the kids and stuff like that and then that's when like once they get a little bit older and they get into school you have a little bit more freedom you know so they'll go to school for a little bit like right now three of them are in school and two of them are downstairs you know so and then like my daughter she's four she'll go to like pre-k for like two hours but and then we'll only have one kid here. So this September, dude, all five of the kids will be in school. Oh, Damn. so okay. my wife and I will be able to like go out and have lunch during the day and like really? have some freedom and like be in the house with no kids. Dude, it's gonna be wild. Though. It's Damn. been like seven, seven, seven years since I had that feeling, like wow. of like just not having any kids running around. Hey, good for you, man. <laughs> So what's next for Kerry Getz, man? Oh man, just I just hope I can keep this car thing going, man, because it's yeah. paying the bills right now and it's 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 making me happy and um, it's it's growing bigger than I thought. My my wife's company is growing pretty well, but I would love to flip houses, dude, and I would love to do a reality show with my family. Like oh, yeah. I really would, because I think our story is is unique, and mm-hmm. um, I think we got something special and my wife and i have my wife is just incredible with design dude it's amazing she's got it she walks into a place all right do this she's like a joanna Gaines. i don't know if you guys know that show but it's like a big flipping if it's called fixer up it's a big show down in like texas and they're huge dude my my mm-hmm. wife has got the ability to do shit like that she's just Sick. she's just got it dude she's got it and i know it so like that would be the perfect scenario if we got involved with a with a reality show because my wife at first was like i can't be on camera 
Yeah. I'm not going to be able to do that. And then now she's telling me, let's do it. Yeah. So, Get the cameras. We you need know more. what I mean? Where are the so lights? if she's on board, I know I can handle it. I know I yeah. can talk to the camera and I know how reality shows work. I've been around them enough. So I just, I feel like we got something. Mm-hmm. So that would be cool if Gets Flippin' came to reality and it, and it worked out. Man, you yeah, gotta, you gotta come into this game, dog. I know, I gotta come into the game with reality. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you ready for some rapid fire? Yeah, sure. Favorite skater? Costin. Favorite video? Rubbish heap. Favorite video part? Ocean Howl. Risk it, uh, Ocean Howl parts. Favorite style? Mike Carroll. Which skater had the biggest influence on the way you skate? Tom Penny. Most talented skateboarder on planet Earth? Mark Suchu. Favorite trick? Kickflip. Hardest trick for you? Hard flips. Most illegal trick? Uh, triple flips. <laughs> <laughs> Favorite clip you've ever gotten? Um, lip slide, the big silver round rail pens. Ooh, that thing looks scary as hell. It was. <laughs> <laughs> Gnarliest trick you've ever witnessed. Brian Wenning, switch back 180 to Love Gap. Ooh. Ooh. Shouts to the big dog. What's the one trick that got away? The Mokba double flip. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't land that, dude. I put my hands shit. down. <laughs> that one got away. <laughs> What's the last new trick you learned? Fakie 360 shove it to nose blunt. Damn. Sick. Sounds like you're already living it, but what's your dream job after skating? Working on cars. Hell yeah. Favorite local brand? Terra Planet X. Favorite local skater? Kyle Nicholson. What's the one sponsor you regret riding for? Uh, Spy sunglasses. (laughs) (laughs) We just had Colt Cannon on and he said Oakley sunglasses. (laughs) (laughs) Favorite teammate ever? Brian Wenning. Worst teammate ever? I'll have to say Silas Baxter Neal because how <laughs> good because how good he was. <laughs> Worst company. Uggs. Yo, Uggs Tom bro. Brady's on Uggs, man. Uggs, dude. <laughs> Damn. Worst Genius. brand. Uggs. Worst brand. Worst trend. Triple flips. <laughs> Worst style. Hulk Hogan. <laughs> Last person you want on the sesh. Another dude that was always so good. Love him, but Rick McCrank. Damn. That dude, he was so good. Damn, Rick, take that. <laughs> That's the first time we ever had someone coming at Rick McCrank. Dog. <laughs> Canadian podcast here. You're pulling out our heartstrings, dog. Yeah, but you got you got to say why I hate yeah, him. Yeah, because you, can't no, just you love him. Because I'm going to put it like Rick McCrank. Yeah. It's so harsh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, y'all. That's going to wrap up our interview with Carrie. Man. It was worth the wait, dog. Thank you so cool, much man. for doing this with us. Yeah, dude. Hopefully you guys get everything you need. Yeah, we got it. Welcome to the post office brought to you by our good friends over at Time Bomb Trading. And this week, it's all about the Etnies Jocelyn Pro. Jocelyn Pro was built to provide Chris with a shoe that is as unstoppable as he is. Down to every tiny detail, the Jocelyn Pro is everything he wanted in his first pro shoe. A clean cut style that's affordable, tough, and long lasting. Head down to your local skate shop and get yours before it's too late.
Let's get into these emails, man. You've got mail. All right, first up, we got an email, a.k.a. a voice note from mystics at hotmail.com, a.k.a. the infamous Canadian midget, Mitch Barrett. Let's take a listen. Yo, what's gay? It's M. Boo Boo in the motherfucking building. Stab. Try a question for you guys. Would you guys rather be a really small, healthy midget or a really fucking fat guy? Beep. Fuck off the road! God damn, Mitch. Careful out there on them uh, sketchy Vancouver roads. You feel me? Yeah, stay safe, and boo boo. Love the question. Thanks for the voice note. <laughs> I think the easiest way to go around this is try and use a cheat code and say you want to be the really fat guy and then lose weight. Well, how are you going to steal my answer? Are you kidding me? No, because I know that's your answer. That's not an answer to this. Wow. So you have to choose to be a healthy midget or a fat guy forever. You don't get to like, <laughs> oh, I'm going to choose the healthy midget and work on growing. Like nothing. None of that. Fat or midget? Yeah, I'm going fat straight to that keto <laughs> diet. That is not an answer. Oh, fuck. All right. If that's off the table and it's like obese man for life or healthy midget, fuck, man. It's tough. How fat we talking, man? At least twice the size we are now. So like 400 pounds? <laughs> Let's say three something. Reggie, I ain't going to disrespect. And Mitch used the term midget. We're, we're trying not to use that around here. Little I'll, people. I'll go with uh, being a, a healthy little guy. You know what I'm saying? I'm rewatching Game of Thrones right now. Tyrion Lannister, He's one of my game. favorite little guys in the world. He's the man. You know I'm going healthy little guy. We love our little guys, man. <laughs> uh, just for the sake of it, I'll, I'll be the fat guy then. Fuck it. It could probably last a couple years and then be so over it, but... Yeah, fuck. When, uh, I remember when we were younger, you all you said to me one time that I would be the first one out of the crew to get fat, so let's prove you right. Damn, well, I didn't get fat fat, but I got fat before you. Luckily, I lost it. You know I had to say little guys because Mitch is basically... A little guy? You know, maybe a couple inches over being officially listed as a dwarf. <laughs> I ain't trying to disrespect him like that. All right, next up, we got an email from Nick Hughes. Yo, new listener to the show. Shout out to my brother from another mother, Nolan. Always thirsty Thursby. Really dig what y'all are doing. I personally didn't get to indulge in any steam whistles, but was visiting slash working in Cremor, Ontario. Also heard you guys give a shout out to Pocatello, Idaho's finest, Taysom Hill, the backup for the New Orleans Saints. Keep doing what y'all are doing. Much love. Nicholas Hugs Hughes. Yo, Nick, thanks for the love, bruv. New listener. Uh, as a new listener, just got to let you know, you're supposed to ask a question when you holler at the post office. You're a new listener, and we appreciate that. So uh, shout out to you, man. And shout out to Taysom Hill, man. But the Saints got a hell of a backup in Teddy Bridgewater, too, man. I don't know if I consider Taysom Hill the backup as much as just uh, a utility man, dog. Yeah, do it all. Plug and play. Swiss Army knife type of man. Oh, shit, yo. The inbox popped this week. Looks like we got a voice note from the one, the only, Feedback Ted. What's good, dog? Let's take a listen. Yo, what up, Safe and Don? I hope you guys are approaching spring with a sense of lightness and equanimity. 
because um, it's been a hard winter here in New York, and I've done a lot of things that I'm not proud of, including re-watching all of the last season of King of the Road. And that's left me with a lot of unanswered questions. Uh, the first being, and I'm sure this is on everyone's mind, given the amount of times that Kyle Walker said, let's get it, during the filming of last season of King of the Road, do you think that it's at all possible that he has said, let's get it, before, during, and perhaps even after sexual intercourse? Let's figure this out. Damn, Ted. As if the live show wasn't enough coming at Kyle Walker. You got to hit him back in the post office a year later. He was savage, bruv. Now, are we actually going to break this down or are we just going to hit it with a yes or no, man? I mean, it's obviously possible. And it's probably more more likely than not is what I'll say. Well, I didn't watch King of the Road, so I don't, I don't know how often he was saying it, but sounds plausible. <laughs> Thanks for the twisted voice note, Ted. Love you. Yeah, we got to get back down to New York and hang with you, Ted. This is one of the funnest days we've had in a long time, man. This summer. We bunted last summer. We're coming down this summer. Margaritas, baby. Let's go. All right, next up, we got an email from Nick Katz. Would you ever consider doing a reverse episode with a pro athlete that skates like retired center Larry Sanders or Kyrie Irving? I mean, is he asking if Kyrie Irving would come on the show? Would we have him? I mean, come on, Nick. Of course we would, dog. (laughs) I didn't know Larry Sanders skates, though. No, me neither. But get Dennis Schroeder. That's who it it always comes back to. Dennis Schroeder and his front side flips, dog. Yeah, Kyrie. If they were down, obviously. But I wonder if the listeners would be down. That'd be kind of weird. But as long as we could mix in some skating... And like maybe on their intro Instagram clip, show them skate a little bit. I feel like it would pique the interest enough. Easier to sell. I mean, people are going to listen if Kyrie Irving's on the show. Yeah, I would love that. Definitely. And we need to get Nick back on the show, man. Andrew Downtown live show wasn't enough for him. He needs more than a rapid fire, dog. Shout out, Andrew. You heard me. I'm wearing my uh, Andrew sweatpants right now, as a matter of fact. You know how we do. Shout out, Jedi. Boot up. All right, and lastly, we got an email from Joel Scullard. Yash Good, yo, Ghost, D. Jones, what's live with the episode with that soft-ass barber motherfucker, Dave Nolan? Man's got epic stories, and the people need to hear them. Also, give a major shout-out to Leslie Solorzano. Still, yachty, no. Oh, Sounds like some fantasy basketball beef in the post office, dog. Joel, you a savage. How did he win? Did he win by a lot? It was, yeah, it was like a... No, it was like a Sunday showdown. Oh Leslie tried to bench everyone for turnovers, but I guess he just missed benching Jetty Osman by like two minutes. So Joel saw that, benched Draymond Green, and then ended up like just winning on turnovers by oh three turnovers. My lord. It's a better move by you, Skulls, but now you're looking down at the gauntlet, dog. Who's he got up next? <laughs> yeah, Joel, it's me and you, baby. <laughs> Got some money on the line, dog. May the best man win, but it's all love. Got all those bitch-ass haters eliminated, you heard? Leslie, Ronan, fucking Justin David, trash-ass motherfuckers. As far as this question goes, Dave Nolan, the legend, the doctor. Of course we're going to get Nolan on the show. We know he's got tons of stories. Man's been in the game a while, seen a lot, and now he's out on the other side, straight living. It's only a matter of time. Dracaris. 
Oh, sorry. That's just an inside joke between me and Dave. Game of Thrones things. But, uh, yo, Dave, how hyped are you for next season of Game of Thrones? I can't wait. Can't wait to chop it up at the barber shop. And, of course, we're going to have the OG legend on the show sooner than later. All right, y'all. That's going to wrap up the post office for this week. Keep getting them emails into the bunt live at gmail.com. Sending them voice notes, baby. We got one episode left. Let the people hear it. Y'all know what time it is. It's the rundown, the skateboard world source for sports. I got the ghost riding shotgun with me. We about to do it again. Man, the saddest day in the NFL yet. The Gronk is officially hanging up his cleats, dog. It's a sad day for you, but it's also a blessing in disguise for your dusty ass. This means you no longer have to draft him in the second round in every league. And uh, this past year, he, he dusted you. You came in last place in our league. So as sad as, as sad as it is, it's a blessing for you in fantasy. But yeah, legendary career. That's your man. Uh, say some nice things about your boy. Man, we are talking about the greatest tight end we have ever seen. Blocking, pass catching, teammate. He does it all. 521 receptions, over 7,500 yards, 79 total TDs and three Super Bowls. We're going to miss you, Gronk, man. It was a perfect trio. Belichick, Brady, and Gronk. The wild card. Guy who stayed in the press, always doing something funny. Keeping it lighthearted when the Patriots were always so damn serious. It's a sad day, man. I feel you. Although... I mean, not to hate on Gronk. I got nothing but respect for him, but careful. I've only been Tread watching, light. you know, I've only been watching football for Don't say three full seasons. No, that's not what I'm saying. But you said the Don't greatest tight end we've ever seen, and the greatest tight end I've ever seen is Travis Kelsey. And that's not a lie. That's a lie. No, because he's been injured every year. And like when he's healthy, sure, at his peak, but like. In the three years I've been watching football, Travis Kelsey has been the most consistent, consistent elite tight end. Consistent. Great. The <laughs> I'm Gronk, not saying... The yo. Gronk changed the game. Everything <laughs> Travis Kelsey does is to be more like I know, Gronk. but I'm just saying from what... I know he's greater overall, but I, w- I haven't right, been so watching football there, long enough. Don't, just stop with the butts there. <laughs> and one other thing, I love Gronk and everything about Gronk. Like, you know, he's boys with my boy Shaq. I love him off the field. But when he fucking killed that dude in Buffalo, I wasn't feeling that. But I was more mad about the league not like punishing him hard enough than actually I got suspended. Because everyone can slip up and freak out, but that was just a fucking wild one. But anyways, I shouldn't even bring that up. I shouldn't I shouldn't bring that up. It's in a glorious career. It's Gronk celebration day. Man, nine full seasons. You're talking about a guy who's probably gonna go to the Hall of Fame. And usually nine seasons is a short career. Something the man has chosen to step back from. Is this something we're going to see more of in the NFL? Because like we said, when we first saw it, immediate thoughts was like, smart move by the man. He's been hurt for the last couple of like four years on and off. Always something. Knees, arms, neck, back. He's hurt it all, man. So is this something we're going to see more of? I don't think so. I think maybe we'll see it more from guys who are extremely successful financially like Gronk. With endorsements and obviously being paid as one of the top tight ends. But, you know, this league doesn't last long for most guys. So everyone's trying to hold on for every extra dollar they can get. But like a Marshawn Lynch, 
you know, he left, he came back or whatever, Gronk leaving. Those guys both made tons of, enough money to retire comfortably mm-hmm. after a shorter career. Well, Gronk's agent already came out and said, don't rule out Gronk coming back one day. But I'm saying, man, you can't go out more on top than you did this year. It's true. Just enjoy that shit, man. Gronk, you've done more than enough for the NFL. Hopefully lightened up a lot of a lot of guys that take that shit too serious. It's pro sports at the end of the day. You're just playing a game, man. And Gronk, you did it the best. I could see him coming back after a year off, though. Sitting on the couch Only watching Brady's Brady there. throwing the That's I, I, I always thought that he would just retire when Brady retired, which would have been devastating for the Patriots to lose them both at once. But why would you want to play with anyone else, man? What, are you going to go play for fucking Blake Bortles or someone after? No. Come on, dog. No. How many men's have caught touchdowns from Tom Brady who are retired, man? It's crazy. Yeah, a lot of them. Let's talk about a landing spot for the Gronk. You know, he might do a little podcast or something. He might be on a TV show or get a couple movie deals, keep doing his his party cruise thing. But I'm saying they got to bring him to Monday Night Football, dog. Jason Witten's gone. Booger McFarlane, you struggling. We need the Gronk on Monday Night Football, man. I don't know if he's got the the mental quickness for that job, man. (laughs) That's what would make it beautiful. (laughs) I think... If I had to guess, I'd say he's going to have some sort of reality show with his brothers. The world's his oyster now. So moving from the NFL over to the MLB, we don't really talk about it, but we love seeing people secure the bag. And we're seeing $300 million contracts flying out the window in Major League Baseball. And then Mike Trout went and hit the jackpot, baby. $430 million to play baseball in Los Angeles. Half the people don't even know what he looks like in Los Angeles. You know what Mike Trout looks like? I saw his picture the other day when the contract. If he walked by him. you in a no, grocery w- store, would you know him? No. He's no. living the life, man. Secure that bag, yeah. dog. That's some fucking dumb money, man. God damn. Mike From Trout. the outside looking in, it doesn't even look like that Major League Baseball is doing that great, does it? No. How are they affording that? Let's start a, a GoFundMe to travel around the world and get Mike Trout to throw us a couple bucks. You know what I'm saying? Oh. It's not a bad idea, dog. Leaving the MLB just as quickly as we hopped in. It's NBA time, dog. We talk about the Celtics. We talk about Kyrie not doing too well in the media. Either he's blaming his teammates or he's putting it all on himself. He's always got something to say. But I got a question for you, man. How does a team that seemingly looks this good on paper play the way they do sometimes because the dudes that had all the opportunity with injuries last year the terry rosiers jalen browns jason tatum when you take their minutes away put them back on the bench everyone's fucking has the ego now you know it's it's just hard chemistry there's not enough minutes to go around that's what people were scared of before the season started but everyone said oh brad stevens the genius we'll figure it out well, it's this late in the season, and they still look amazing one day and then horrible the next. Looks like the Pacers are holding on to that fourth seed, man. It's, that might even be that might be a fucking close series, man. That would be insane. Celtics all over the damn... They, they're the team that, like, if they were playing at their best all throughout the playoffs, like, mm-hmm. they could come out of the East yeah. easily. That's all they need is, what, four weeks of good play. But fuck, man. We'll see. I think the biggest concern for me for the Celtics is what has happened to Gordon Hayward, man? Has it just been the injury? He's never been able to get back. But this guy was an elite player in Utah. Moves over to Boston. You think it's going to be nothing but good things. Him and Kyrie, him and this deep squad. But we've never seen the same Gordon Hayward. 
Well, that's one of the gnarliest injuries I've ever seen. You know, the doctors, his agent, everyone's saying, like, this is his, you know, get your feet wet year, and next year they expect to see the Gordon Hayward of <clears throat> Utah. And the good thing, the encouraging thing for Gordon Hayward fans, which we are, is that he'll randomly have a 35-point game. Mm-hmm. You know, he'll score single digits for, like, five, six games straight, and then he'll go off for 35. So it, it's still there. It's just all... I think it's all just physically, maybe some mental too. Like I swear he's like not jumping for rebounds and in crowds sometimes. Like something I'm conscious of too. Once oh, you yeah. fuck up your feet doing that shit, so <clears throat> I think it's gonna be a big off season for him. Hoping that he comes back better than ever. I just want to see the old Gordon Hayward man. Moving over to the Western Conference, looks like there's a goddamn logjam over there, dog. Currently, my Clippers and my Blazers are lined up in the four or five seeds. They're going to go off against each other. That'll be a crazy series, but at the end of the day, it's always Dame time. But let's talk about the bottom three, the Oklahoma City Thunder, the Utah Jazz, and the San Antonio Spurs. Of the three, who is most likely to pull off a first-round upset? Reggie, that's, the standings are wild right now. I just want to give a special shout-out to Doc Rivers. Who the fuck Dude. pictured? You called them making it, but we were talking eighth seed. When they lost Toby, too. I mean, they might not finish there because it's such a log jam, but the fact that they're even in the fifth seed this time of year, hats off to Doc Rivers. Insane. Potential Coach of the Year candidate. But I think OKC has a real, real shot at beating uh, Houston if it ends up with this matchup in the first round. Mm-hmm. And then Utah, I actually give Utah a better chance at beating Denver than OKC Houston, just because Utah's got that playoff experience and the Nuggets are all young bloods. It's their first dance. And what about the Spurs and the Warriors, man? <laughs> Come on. How many games? They get a win? Sipping. Well, one last bit of news from the NBA. Lonzo Ball is parting ways with the big baller brand. We didn't see this coming three B's. Looks like they're getting themselves into some financial trouble over there. I don't know who's doing they books, but uh, maybe we could send them a free trial for QuickBooks, dog. <laughs> Yo, you, you said in surprising news, this is the least surprising news. You saw this coming? Reggie. Who would have thought they'd you, you, steal the man's money? I didn't see that you coming. Think Lonzo, I thought they'd go out of business yeah, or use his money to stay in business, but this guy's just stealing the money for personal gains. Who is it? His uncle or something? <laughs> I don't know. It's their, I guess, family friend, like LeVar's partner in Big Baller Brand. I forget his name. But where's LeVar at? I don't know. I'm waiting for him to say something. But Big Baller Brand is a ticking time bomb now. Lonzo's done with them. He's he's got a pro shoe. He's got ankle issues. I wonder. I'm sure oh. the, the Big Baller shoes haven't helped. The Lakers have asked him to change shoes. No. Yeah. Wow. Big baller, man. R.I.P., dog. Like, done. The, the thing is, they could have kept it going, you know, even with the Lakers, like, being concerned. But then it's like the shoes are already dust, and then you steal the man's the, – the guy who keeps the brand alive's money, <laughs> uh, 1.5 mil. Like, you know, peace out, man. It's a wrap. It's unfortunate, dog. Yeah, well, good luck to Lonzo. Hopefully he gets some shoes with some real ankle support. Uh, before we peace out, though, you know the people need their weekly Maple Leafs talk and maybe a little something about my Montreal Canadiens. Oh, I thought you were a Devils fan. Reggie. Mon- you got you, more than one team? You know I'm a Devils, Leafs, Dark Knights, and <laughs> Kings fan. All right, man. I like it. Keep your options open. 
The Leafs had an all right week. Picked up a win against Buffalo, which they should do. Should have been easier than 4-2. But then ended up losing in overtime to the New York Rangers. If we want to stand any chance against Boston, man, we need to get home ice. I know I sound like a pessimist, but I've been seeing it go down for years. They got our number. Sometimes teams out there just got your number, and these guys got ours. So playing four out of seven games at the Air Canada Center will definitely help. Maybe a little bit of toughness from somewhere. Maybe they need to sign someone from the East Coast League. Put the fear of God into Zidane Chara. Because if I got to watch that guy fucking debrus, grab his jersey, and scream at us one more time, man, I'm going to lose it. I don't think the TV I have can survive another playoff series against the <laughs> fucking Bruins. But yeah, your Montreal Canadiens, man, they surprised everyone this year. Probably one of the biggest surprises of the NHL season. Everyone thought they were gone. They'd be dust. Probably, probably playing for a lottery pick. But guys like Max Domi, Jonathan Druin, the Utes are clearly putting the team on their back. Brendan Gallagher, and they got that old man, Shea Weber. When I saw they traded P.K. Subban for the old man, Shea Weber, I was a little uh, a little skeptical, but seems like it's working out for the present. It might not for the long run, but they needed a big force on defense, and they got it. Some leadership for the young guys. But, man, I wish Max Domi was a goddamn Maple Leaf. Yeah, um, <clears throat> I'm going to have to agree with everything you just said. It sounds pretty accurate. Uh Give me a name your favorite player on your Montreal Canadiens. You know I gotta go with my main man, Patrick Croix. Stay saving them goals and saving the Canadian season. I like it, dog. I like it. Mm-hmm.